Welcome, everyone. This is all about Windows Phone Insight Podcast 187 after a break of about uh, 10 to 11 days. Recording this on Tuesday, the 2nd of August 2016. I'm Steve Litchfield. With me, I have Rafe Blanford. Yes, hello, everybody. Back after a little bit of a break. But it is that time of year where sometimes the news stories slow down. Although, of course, in the Windows 10 mobile world, in the Windows world in general, we've kind of got the anniversary update, but more on that in a moment. And we've still got uh, quite a few topics to chat through. So I should probably hand back to Steve to find out what we're talking about first. Well, in the world of Microsoft and the inevitable delays, of course, <laughs> the quiet siege and often ends up being busy because it's all the stuff that was planned for April, May and June. But, this is uh, true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the, the, oh, this has been recorded, of course, on August the 2nd, which is the big day that the uh, Windows 10 anniversary update was rolling out to all uh, laptops, PCs, tablets, ho- even the HoloLens is getting the uh, the update today to do production devices. Of course, people in the mobile world will have been used to the, uh, indeed the PC world, have been used to these insiders builds. So most people listening to this will already have had a good taste of all the latest code, features, functions, and so on. But people on production devices across the world are getting the update, but not on the phone. And I have been saying this, haven't I, Ray, for a couple of uh, weeks now on the podcast and also the various stories that I, I feared that Redstone wasn't quite ready on the phones yet, that it needed a few more weeks of work. And Microsoft has now confirmed that in the very latest blog post over on uh, the Windows site. It says the Windows 10 anniversary update will start rolling out to Windows 10 mobile phones in the coming weeks. Now, in the coming weeks is a phrase we've heard a few times in the last uh, 10 years, right? Um, with my slightly cynical hat on, in the coming weeks sounds rather vague to me. That sounds to me like a couple of months. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's that's probably about right. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we, as we suggested before, there will be some devices that will get it, you know, maybe in the next three or four weeks. But I suspect that rollout period could be quite broad when we encompass all the devices that are, are going to get it. And you know, there's obviously a difference between something like coming days, which implies within sort of a couple of weeks. I mean, coming weeks, I, I suppose most people would assume that would mean sort of maybe three to six weeks, rather otherwise they'd have maybe talked about months. Um, but yeah. I, I would say, say draw the distinction between the first device is getting it and then the last device is getting it. Um, obviously, you know, that's that's going to vary according to which devices Microsoft um, choose to roll it out to first. Obviously, the 950 and the 950XL are likely to be first in line, and then it will be roughly a combination of popularity and the kind of uh, how recent the devices are. Of course, you know, there are a smaller subset of devices getting this and got Windows 10, 10 mobile originally. So, or, well, <laughs> I say that it depends obviously on insider program and things like that. Um, but yeah, it, it sounds like it's not that far away. And as you quite rightly say, anyone who um, is on the insider program would have already really got most of these updates. So it's not going to be startlingly new for people who are living on the cutting edge. And it will probably be a pleasant surprise for those who are, are less concerned about software updates. Yeah. And of course, um, less bugs is always better than more bugs. And uh, if they genuinely do spend those, whatever it turns out to be, three, four weeks fixing bugs and fixing nickels and fixing issues, then I think everyone will be happier in the long run. One of the things I've said before is that I, I follow the 
the Windows troubleshooting forums, the official Microsoft discussion forums, which they, of course, inherited, I think, from Nokia uh, back in the day. But they're still running, and the number of people posting problems and the sorts of problems give me a very good flavour of what Joe Average is finding uh, with the, with this OS and with the phones. So I suspect if they had pushed um, Redstone out to all of these production of 950s, 950XL, etc., today, then those discussion forums would just have lit up. So I, I fully respect their decision to to delay slightly and i'm i'm not too above saying i was right and etc etc but as somebody has pointed out already i did do a, a global prediction of the whole of 2017 which has proved spectacularly wrong so i'm not always right Rafe. <laughs> well i think you were very wise in this instance as you often are steve um I, I, like you say, I mean, I'm certainly in favour of waiting if it means a few more uh, bugs are quashed. And we've sort of commented in the last few podcasts, we just didn't feel it was quite ready for prime time, especially given that you can get your hands on it. Um, but is it maybe worth uh, talking through some of the things that people will be getting in, in this if they're coming from threshold to this um, anniversary update? Um, with a proviso, of course, that a lot of people will already have this. And also because of the decoupling of the apps from the kind of the platform, actually there a lot of the significant dates that, uh, updates that we'd have kind of been used to seeing in one of these platform updates actually are available through kind of store updates. Of course, some of those will um, be, be linked to the platform version itself. Um, but there, even so, um, this anniversary update, despite sort of just being one year after, well, not even that. Um, so <laughs> yeah. One year in theory, um, I should say in practical terms, it's actually nine months. And for most yeah. people, it's six months. And um, there's some pretty decent updates in here. Yeah, absolutely. There, I did post a, a flow story to a, a very detailed change log put together by a third party site, not Microsoft, but they've been very diligent and they really have gone to town. Uh, but that's presented very much in bullet point form without any real expansion of what any of the bullets mean. But I, I, a very useful list anyway as reference. But uh, what I tried to do in a feature in terms of what's new going from Threshold to Redstone is I wanted to give a, a bit of expansion as to exactly the sort of feel for what production uh, users of, for example, the 950, 950XL and 650 will see when this update hits. And I, I wanted to focus really on the fact that quite a bit of it is under the hood. People always focus in on, you know, this this bit of that interface looks different. Action Center looks different. You can now drag this to here. The fonts are different. That button's in a different place. All of that's just for a premium as far as I'm concerned. It's the under the hood stuff. This actually is most significant here. Um, the security is uppermost. Microsoft has done an awful lot with uh, Windows 10 uh, Redstone, and that this applies equally as well to the uh, the mobile variant. Uh, it's focusing especially on Edge, but not just on the, the Edge browser, also on the main OS itself. And with all the stories we see around the tech world, and I follow so many blogs, so many feeds, all the stories around the Android world, even the iOS world, and especially the, the PC Windows world of old, there's so many stories of vulnerabilities. I mean, we've had culprits like um, Flash and Java, of course, in the past. Um, that at every single stage, these operating systems, whether they're desktop or mobile or tablet, they're being hit by the bad guys who are determined to push ransomware and, and get spyware and, and do identity fraud. All of this stuff, it is scary stuff. It's genuinely scary. And I, I know a number of people in my family tree who have been hit by this and hit badly. I'm sure most of us have had friends or family hit by something to do with uh, malware or viruses over the last five years. So under the hood, there's an enormous amount that Microsoft has been doing, as, of course, Google has with Android and Apple with iOS uh, and with macOS. Um, but certainly Windows 10 genuinely does seem like it could be 
I well, know this phrase has been used before, but the, the securest form of Windows yet. I actually do believe them <laughs> this time. I think Microsoft has finally been getting the plot, the security plot right over the last few years. And I think Windows 10 mo, uh, Mobile and Windows 10 Gen- Generic uh, Redstone, this uh, anniversary update, I think it is the most secure yet. And I would heartily recommend that anybody, if they're even thinking about hold, staying on threshold for whatever reason, and I can't think of any reason, then Redstone is a big step forward in terms of security. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think uh, Windows detractors, and particularly in the mobile arena, would say it's kind of uh, security through obscurity, and you know, Microsoft doesn't have a good track record in this area. But I think you have to judge them uh, by their current attitude to it. And in that sense, I think they're quite a lot more mature than both uh, Google and Apple. Now, I think Google's isn't necessarily uh, a conscious decision by the company, and and nor is Apple's, to be fair, either. But the very fact of the philosophy by which it puts the platform together uh, arguably leaves it more open to vulnerabilities um, in terms of that openness. And that's not really about the kind of that um, fundamental openness of Android. It's just the way things uh, are done. And I think it's perhaps a different accent on these things. Uh, but I do think you're absolutely right to identify this as something that's perhaps even underappreciated because I think most of the people who would identify themselves as uh, mobile geeks or at least uh, you know, very technically literate uh, sort of poo-poo this as a consideration. But for people who are you know, just not obsessed by their tech and actually you know, we all see the evidence of social engineering. It happens all the time. And there are all sorts of dodgy sites out there. You know, there are vulnerabilities and people do get caught by them. You know, there is a massive business around it. I mean, that whole evidence of security software, both on mobile and obviously on on desktop as well. And actually, most people on Windows will still have some kind of uh, antivirus and other internet security software. And uh, it's quite right they do so. But given that a lot of it does come through the web, you know, things like the, well, you referred to it in the story, the Microsoft Intelligent Security Graph, that ability to spot malicious URLs, which is actually something that Google is very good at doing in the search engine. Of course, that's not the only place people come across links. And so you know, there's a limit to that. So uh, this sort of builds, I think, for the user experience of security is improved because it kind of protects people from themselves to a certain extent. Previously, Microsoft's security attitude has, has largely been about putting it in place for enterprise. You know, things like secure boot and all the things we got originally in Windows 10 Mobile were very significant and certainly have helped um, from an enterprise device uh, attractiveness point of view. Um, the the kind of the fragility of the ecosystem, which we've referred to numerous times, obviously has had a knock-on effect in the enterprise space. But the fact we see devices like the HP Elite X3 a lot of that is that whole discussion around Microsoft and security. And whatever your view on Microsoft, it, it's clear there has been a bit of a, I would say, uh, a shift in their attitude towards this. And and that's to be welcome. I'm not saying they're perfect by any means, but you can certainly make an argument that um, versus, say, an Android device, particularly for the sort of normal consumer, then there's a, a lot yeah. very positive to say about Windows 10 Mobile. Um, I think iOS you know, does have similar credentials. And uh, to be honest there, it's to do with how locked down the system is. Uh, You know, Windows 10 Mobile is kind of in between iOS and Android in in some senses in that respect, but actually seems to maintain that level of security um, that Android hasn't given away or sacrificed because that's a rather negative way of talking about it. But, you know, you you can't can't help but see the stories around Android. And partly that is because it's, you know, 80% of the market and and all of that. But part of it is some fundamental architecture decisions in the way that, um, you know, Google builds Android devices with its partners and all of that. But um, I think there's lessons to be learned 
each from the other, but um, perhaps yeah. uh, Windows, something of a poster child here, maybe? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'm sure we'll come back to security. And of course, each year they have uh, the various hacking conferences where they try and hack into different desktop and mobile browsers. And I think the last one I, re- I reported on uh, linked to uh, uh, Windows Phone as uh, 8.1, as it was then, came out on top as being the most secure, as you say, maybe through obscurity because people didn't know it as well, but also it's fundamentally a pretty good architecture. Um, moving on, just we mentioned the web browser there, the uh, the, the Edge browser under Redstone, i.e. under the anniversary update, does include power-saving improvements, fewer CPU cycles, consumes less RAM, and minimizes the impact of background activity and peripheral content, which all sounds very fancy, but basically it means the browser works better, consumes less resources, uh, and is faster and slicker. Uh, you don't get extensions, though. Apparently they're also coming soon, Rafe, and uh, this coming soon sounds even more vague than <laughs> in the coming week. So I'm guessing that uh, Microsoft Edge extensions, we're talking in many months, probably nearer the end of the year. Yeah, and I, and I think perhaps on mobile, maybe less significant than on the desktop, yeah. Um, yeah. where obviously... I mean, Edge is actually now, I can't believe I'm about to say this, edging up the <laughs> stats in terms of the number of people using it. Um, obviously, it's not matching anywhere near um, Chrome or even even Firefox, but it certainly is taking over some of the legacy Internet Explorer versions, uh, particularly after Microsoft kind of dropped support for 8, 9, and I think it was 10 as well. Um, and, you know, one of the missing components as far as some people we're concerned with these browsers, uh, these extensions. So it'll be interesting to see whether we do see some on mobile. Wouldn't be surprised if there's something around ad blocking. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if there's something around sort of adding features that people perceive as missing from Edge. But uh, it'll be interesting. Obviously, mobile is a much smaller market to go after. But given that, um, as I understand it, there's quite a bit of cross compatibility, there's every chance we could see some stuff here. It's an area I want to look into um, a bit more because obviously, you know, up until the, you know, up until a few years ago, you didn't really see extensions in uh, mobile browsers, but they have started to be introduced a, a little bit more. And obviously, there's been massive interest in uh, ad blocking, in particular, on iOS. With you know that came in in iOS nine, and there's now a significant level of mobile ad blocking. I suspect that's the one that consumers will be most interested in, simply because you're on more constrained on a mobile device. You know, uh, data speeds and costs are arguably at a premium and putting an ad blocker in place can significantly improve performance, which opens up a whole can of worms around, you know, what publishers <laughs> and website owners should do. And, you know, I, I'm sympathetic towards consumers, but of course, um, you know, that advertising funded website is a kind of backbone of a lot of the free content that's out there on the web. And so it's a, it's a tricky situation. Um, and actually I think a lot of the, the fault for this actually lies partly with the publishers, but actually just the advertising industry in general, that's kind of made that, that text stack, you know, very heavy, um, and actually making advertising that works on mobile browsers is something that I, th- I think is still in development. It's you know, arguably a bit of a, an art form. Um, I'm n- less sympathetic to people who say get rid of it altogether, don't want it, because actually I think it's a reality. Um, but you should really choose to have mobile advertising if you're a publisher, ideally, that's effective and non-intrusive while still maintaining the uh, kind of credibility in terms of monetization i I realize that's hard to do 
Uh, but actually, that really is about the quality of the advertising, both in terms of the content itself, but also the way you choose to implement it. And arguably, just copying and pasting, expecting it to work um, down from uh, desktop to mobile is is unrealistic in what has been done to this point. But now, of course, mobile in many countries and in many verticals is the majority of web traffic. So it almost feels like it should be the other way around. Now, I'm aware, as I'm saying this, that we're not very good about doing this on all about windows phone but it is something that uh looking into so watch this space and uh i do think we benefit compared to some sites in that we don't overload the page with loads of advertising so um that's <laughs> my defense before someone writes in asking that exact question yes of course uh ads are evil but not on all about windows phone so please click on our ones because they generate <laughs> income and that's that's the way we keep the site alive yes indeed Yes. Um, anyway, also, of course, um, I would say that ads on and mobile web pages tend to be much less obtrusive than on, on desktop. On a desktop browser, if you go to some sites, it's almost the entire page is ads, and it just slows the whole thing down to a crawl. On a on a phone, the mobile oh, optimized website tends to be fairly restrained. You might get a banner ad at the top, maybe a banner ad at the bottom, maybe a full a few in, uh, tiny squares in the middle, but basically it's it's content a lot of the time. So, But I, I think that people will leap on these extensions when they come in, but it would have quite as dramatic effect, I think, as we're seeing in currently in the desktop world. Um, Action Center has also been changed for Redstone. Uh, people have kind of grown up with the changes of this as they've gone through the various insider rings, but uh, the, the very fact that you can rearrange all the shortcuts in Action Center is something we've kind of taken for granted now that we've had that now for about six months but it's really really useful i get completely disoriented Rafe, when i come i boot up a different device or a different uh different screen resolution of course maybe there are five across rather than the four short tiles across and everything's in a different order i then have to spend an, obs- uh, an ocd five minutes rearranging it so wi-fi is on the left and all settings on the right etc etc but yeah. at least people can now do it exact set it up exactly as they want it yeah well i think this is like you know the way people organize their their start screen and the the tiles there um, I tend to put the ones that I most frequently use along the top because obviously you've pulled down your fingers right there. But I know some people do it the other way around and have their most frequently accessed things at the bottom. But that's the whole point. You've got a bit of personal preference here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, Cortana has been approved. Something, again, we've kind of uh, grown up with. Um, you can now share things to Cortana, something we've had for about six months. This is coming to production, Windows 10 Mobile. I have to say, Rafe, I, I can't remember the last time in the real world I actually shared anything with Cortana, but uh, it's kind of limited. It's, it basically, just creates various different types of reminders. You have to wonder whether in the future sharing things with Cortana will be opened up a bit more and there'll be something a bit more dramatically useful. Yeah, it, it, it feels like it's kind of underexploited here. I mean, I'm a big fan of Cortana in general, but usually as kind of the command line interface, kind of the enhanced search that we've talked about before. But it is interesting, of course, when you start to do this in maybe a more conversational interface, which I have to admit, I, I tend not to do. I mean, the, you know, bringing it up with voice activation, of course, does work. And this reminder, you know, that sharing thing is another action you have to choose to take. So I wonder whether it's kind of getting into the habit of doing it. Uh, but one of the things I do like is you're starting to see uh, notifications pushed to your Windows 10 PC. So things like missed call alerts and uh, battery, low battery detail and other notifications I do find quite useful. Um, it obviously depends on you know, having a, a Windows 10 kind of uh, laptop or PC that you're regularly working on. But that kind of integration, once you start using it, you you do definitely take for granted. Um, and I know that that's something that's very popular in the Mac and iOS world. Um, and it's arguably something that is missing in the Chrome world, unless I guess you're on a, a Chrome OS device, which I guess is probably a less less common uh, combination. Uh, but there are plenty of third-party apps that, that do that. 
Um, and it all kind of started off around calling and texting. It's become, you know, more more commonplace, I guess. Uh, but yes, that kind of, for me, the, the big updates in this anniversary edition are really around that uh, kind of seamless experience between yeah. between desktop and mobile. Yeah. Um, the store enhancements, let's do a couple more of these. Um, this has obviously evolved over the last three or four months, really. Um, but many people, including myself, have been asking the Microsoft Store team, look, look, we've got to have change logs. We need a what's new. You can't just keep updating things silently. You can't rely on application um, developers to to fill in the appropriate bits in apps, although that has also started to happen. You go to the About screen in an app and there's a change log, which is great to see. But now in the main store, not only do you usually get a watch new pane, you tap on and expands in the store client. So, for example, in the, in the story we linked to in the show notes, I was looking at the watch new for App Raisin, which is an app discovery application, <laughs> a bit meta. Um, but it's quite a detailed um, change log. And also, as you go into the downloads and updates sections, um, it's not just about blank screen with check for updates. You, it le- logs every single application it updated or installed with the with the uh, the version number and when it was ha- when it happened. Now, for many people, of course, if they just leave automatic updates on, this will be an absolute godsend because they can go to their f- this screen in the Microsoft Store on their Windows to mobile phone, and there is a list of everything that's been installed in the last week. If something's playing up, they know wh- where to look for culprits. If something's got new features, they know which applications to open. Think well, let's let's see what's new and. See See how Microsoft Photos is behaving this week, for example. So two really useful um, features that many of us have been asking for for ages. I would even he- go as far as to say I think the Windows 10 store client is, is possibly my, uh, better than the, the equivalents in Android and iOS now, and I never th- ever thought I'd say that. Well, that's that's high praise indeed, and I think particularly for the usage we have, because we obviously regularly want to check out what's what's new in an application. I think that is true. I think some of the additional information, and particularly things um, around the presentation of uh, screenshots or rather preview videos, is is something I'd still like to sort of see come in. Um, I note that you uh, in the story you talk about the uh, you can have a store notification every time something's installed or updated, and you recommend people switching it off. And originally, I thought it's a bit harsh, Steve. You know, sure, that depends on the number of applications <laughs> you've got installed, but of course, because the uh, kind of internal built-in application is being updated so often, actually, you're right. It does tend to be a bit of a pain. Although, if you can put up with having lots of notifications, I guess it's a, a handy way of seeing what's updated. I know you were kind of doing a manual process. Um, yeah. I'm just curious, have you switched to automatic now that it's going to be easier for you to be able to get to these uh, change logs and so from the recent activity list? No, I will always be an, a non-automatic, a manual man. I like having full <laughs> control. I like, like being able to download updates when I know my Wi-Fi is not too busy and not need to be put on it, when I know the, I'm a decent bandwidth, when I know that I've got time to supervise it, make sure it all happens okay on every device. And that's completely OCD. That's completely me. Um, I'm not your average your average user here. But it's great that people have the choice of going in either direction. And the, the, the store notification thing is interesting because, as you say, if it was just third-party apps, I think I might even leave it on. So, for example, they might say, um, Asphalt 8 game has just been updated. Oh, I wonder what's new. That will be useful. But because they, they've broken out Outlook, Mail and Calendar, Microsoft Photos, Windows Camera, or you know, th- up to 30 built-in applications, and every time any of them get updated, heck, even if the store client itself gets updated, it still pings you about the fact that it's updated itself. And it's just a bit over the top. So I have put a little uh, tutorial in on how to turn this off in Windows 10 mobile settings. And the, the settings is really quite flexible and uh, in terms of what which applications you can allow to access that notification pane. So I think it's all's well that ends well there. Indeed. Um, so I think the next uh, section is reorganised settings. Um, as you say, there's kind of 
plenty of uh, detailed tweaks, but uh, the biggest um, is really around having better control of the application's background agent, which lets you control a little better kind of battery usage. Um, yeah. And so those are all minor updates. I suspect they're more for power users in this particular context. Um, and obviously there's some tweaks to the UI. But one of the more exciting ones for me is actually the enhanced continuum. I appreciate that there's still not that many people using a continuum, but the that's actually partly addressed in that you, the compatibility has been widened so you can use it on uh, Miracast displays and Wi-Fi connected Windows 10 Anniversary Edition desktop and laptops. Now, I haven't actually updated my desktop, so I haven't uh, tried this out, but I'm keen to because I think that actually means there's going to be more screens, more displays that you can use continuum on. It'd be interesting to see what the stability is like. And I plan on trying this out on a few uh, Miracast displays where it's built into the, the TV. So you don't have to use the dock or one of the display dongle adapters. So for me, that's actually good because it means more people are going to be able to try out and potentially use continuum. Uh, absolutely. And I, I plan on using Continuum a lot more, I think, over the next uh, couple of months. Every time I try Continuum again, it's 5% better than the last time I used it. So by that that principle extrapolating, it should be 110% better by next February. So very good. Anyway, yeah, so do go and check out Continuum. As Ray says, now that every Windows 10 laptop, desktop, etc. across the world is being updated to to include this compatibility with Continuum, then the, the vast pool of screens you could possibly connect to with your Windows 10 mobile uh, Redstone or anniversary update um, phone will, will will certainly increase. Um, uh, in terms of what to do to get it, we, we mentioned earlier that it's going to take a while. Um, that there's a long list of devices in the story. Uh, the ones that will definitely get the Windows 10 Mobile Anniversary update. I suspect that's certainly not a d- definitive. We're always seeing new devices that launched in, in Asia and Japan, uh, for example, Rafe. Um, so do, don't take my list as definitive. The, the Jade Primo is still not really out very widely, so I didn't include that, but I did link to, uh, link to it and also the Elite X3, which you mentioned, which we're still hoping is going to ship and certainly gather a review sample in the next couple of weeks. But, um, and of course the older phones, they are kind of stranded. I think we mentioned that sort of in passing last week. Just to re-emphasize, if you did have a, one of the old Snapdragon S4 powered the, the phones, the phones typically ending with model numbers ending in 20, you are kind of stranded, but you're stranded on a more recent version of Windows than if you stayed on Windows 8.1. But certainly that that that, um, that that window of opportunity to upgrade to Windows 10 Mobile has now closed. That's another story we'll link to in the show notes, whereby about three or four days ago, we that, 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 that the gavel dropped there. That's it, no more. And that all the older devices were deprovisioned. And now the release preview ring for within the Insiders program is now switched to Redstone. So basically, you, you have to have a fully Redstone-compatible device. I should just give a shout out to all the people that have been offering to help me hack um, Redstone Redstone onto my older devices, which is completely non-approved. Microsoft would be absolutely horrified. There are two or three different hacks, depending on where you're coming from, and I still haven't managed to navigate my way around them. I spent two hours the other evening, and I got nowhere. Um, but I've had several people offer help and help and links and guidance. So I'm there, at some point, there will be a tutorial on All About Windows Phone, in August, saying how to get uh, Windows 10 Mobile, Redstone, the full anniversary update, etc., etc., on an older Snapdragon S4 device like a 1020 or 920. It may not be pretty. Some people have reported it works quite well, but it is possible, and I will try and break it down to as few steps as possible and break as few phones doing it as possible. I may <laughs> raid Rafe's store cupboard for sacrificial devices. Okay, yeah, we'll look forward to seeing that, but as we say, that's... um unapproved so it'll definitely be at your own risk i think it's fair to say 
Yeah, absolutely. I did put up a, a kind of a, a jokey um, a mock Lumia 950XL ad break, just a bit of light relief. Click on that if you may. Snapchat and Pokemon Begone, an alternative Lumia ad. I was I kind of very much aware that a lot of the smartphones around at the moment being launched, right, they, they're all pretty much the same. They all look like aluminium sealed uh, shells with the, the, the basic design of the same, the cameras in the same place. They, they really are much of a muchness. Whereas with my alternative ad, the idea was to break out a few of the things that people have criticized the Lumia 950 and 950XL for. I wanted to turn it to positive. So, for example, this um, this uh, metal bill, but I've, I've been a fan of metal in the past. I'm still a fan of metal, but there's something to be said for a plastic phone which bounces and not only when it bounces the deformation as the back pops off absorbs an awful lot of the impact and many of us can remember back in the old days of Nokia's at a 1999, 2003, 2005, when we'd regularly drop our, our Nokia, then the back would fly off and the battery would fly out, absorbing all the energy, and the basic phone would be left completely unharmed. And I think that's still very much a thing. If you drop a, uh, for example, an iPhone 6 um, or a Samsung Galaxy S7, um, and drop it onto a hard surface, there's a pretty high chance that you will actually smash the screen or do some serious damage because there's just nowhere for the shock to go. Whereas if you've got a plastic phone with a removable battery and a removable back, there's an awful lot of capacity there for the shock to be to be absorbed. So I was just in that in that sort of mock ad and also the fact that you can, you know, there's no chance of Snapchat or Pokemon darkening your doors, which I see as a good <laughs> thing. I, I, I thought that was a perfectly valid ad. Uh, well, I thought think, think it's maybe an ad from the grumpy old man school of uh, yeah. advertising. But actually, there's a serious point here that, um, you know, there are a lot of things still to really like about the 950. And actually, I think the uh, price that you identify there, and it does have a very good screen and it has a very good camera. And those things actually are kind of agnostic of any of the apps you run on. And, and for a lot of people, that's the most important thing. And it is, of course, you know, fully conversant and compatible uh, with the Microsoft ecosystem. Now, given the way that Microsoft has made its services available on the other platforms, that's maybe less an advantage than it used to be. But I would still contend that in terms of getting it set up and integrated into that world, that uh, level of familiarity, you aren't ever going to be able to, to, to beat it. And you kind of do this in the first bullet point of this ad is, you know, totally different exclusive interface, yet 100% familiar to it, as you're already yeah. using it on your PC. That's a point that still, I think, gets, you know, underplayed. And I think that's inevitable consequence when, you know, there are very few of these uh, devices out there relative to, you know, something like iOS or Android. And, you know, Apple was recently talking about, you know, a billion iPhones and there's, um, uh, well, many more than Android dev- devices, at least probably you know, approaching two or three billion. I haven't looked at the numbers recently. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, even so, I, I, I thought the point about running away from Snapchat and Pokemon Go may be one of the less strong points about the advert. <laughs> I, I suspect there's a few people who might be put off there. Uh, give, I mean, uh, Pokemon Go has kind of amazed me. It's just the power of mobile, how quickly something can be adopted and get to hundreds of millions of users. Uh, and Snapchat is actually a product I admire greatly. I think a very good example of how a product can... Uh, be fairly unique in terms of its development and the way that that's been put together. Yeah, of, of course, as um, it's kind of implied by this, actually managed to pass by a whole section of uh, the audience. Um, and it is one of the ones that does seem to be slanted towards the younger end of the market. But I do notice as we're recording this today, uh, Instagram kind of uh, announced their own stories component, which, you know, obviously uh, liberally copies from uh, 
from Snapchat. And so they are doing something right. And of course they have hundreds of millions of users. So I don't want people to think that we're anti Pokemon go or Snapchat because we'll probably get even more letters of complaint, but equally well, uh, you're probably right to appreciate Steve. There's a certain segment of the audience that really couldn't care about those two apps and wonder what all the fuss is about. Absolutely. Uh, we're moving on. Just a couple of uh, stories before we finish. Um, the, the firmware I was talking about, the new firmware of the Lumi 950 and 950XL, characterized by the number 53 in the second block of numbers, um, it has actually reached the Europe. And our, <laughs> certainly my Lumi 950 has managed to get it. I don't think the 950XL has got it yet. But the, the main characteristics are Wi-Fi and Bluetooth uh, improvements. Double tap to wait. We have talked about in a previous podcast, and this works fully as advertised. You do lose a bit of battery time, but it's fairly insignificant. And if you love double tap to wait, then that's more more than worth having it for. Um, camera improvements. This is the one, obviously, I leapt on and, and I was able to do back-to-back testing because I've got one device on on the new firmware and one without. And if you look at the comparison photographs, Rafe, I can tell the difference. I'm not sure a Joe Average could tell the difference. There are subtle changes in image processing. There's definitely an improvement in con- uh, in focus in low light i was finding before it would try and focus in low light and it wouldn't always nail it now it does seem more reliable uh, i still think it has problems focusing on infinity and low light if you've taken a you know a, a sunset for example or a night shot of across a, a landscape i think there are problems in as we discussed discussed the problems of focusing on quote infinity in a flow story a couple of weeks ago so do go and look at that but overall i think i'm impressed by the camera improvements it is better, and added to the connectivity improvements, double tap to wake. It's a very much a welcomed firmware update, and uh, yeah, well done to Microsoft for getting this out. Now get it out to all the devices. Indeed, I mean, I would say it's relatively minor in the grand scheme of firmware updates, but this is rather about stability and kind of minor performance improvements, and you know, you're always going to welcome that. It, uh, it it does make me wonder why it's taking so long to come out. And as you say, I don't have this on the 950 XL yet, but I imagine that's just a matter of a few days now. Yeah. Um, now you like um, app application recommendations, Rafe. Wikipedia on Windows and Mobile. There is now a Wikipedia universal Windows platform app. Now it's not first party. Don't get too excited. It is third party, <laughs> but it's brilliantly done. I have to say, you know, sometimes a third party app can be better than a quote first party. In this case, Wikipedia UWP is excellent. And I did a comparison feature looking at wikipedia.org in Edge, which itself is pretty darn good because Wikipedia is a great responsive site. Then the old Wikipedia app written by Rudy Hoyne, one of the rock star developers in Windows Phone, and that itself is pretty good, but of course it's quite old now. And the new Wikipedia UWP, and I have to say it's the, the latter all the time. I, I've lost count of the number of times in the last seven days. I, I, th- I want to look at them from Wikipedia, which is normally two or three times a day. And I've rather than go to the website, I've gone to this application, and it's uh, it's sorting me out every time. So highly recommended. It's beautifully written. It comes in just about every... Th- theme and option and where you can customize the look and feel possible highly recommended Ray. yeah it's interesting because of course as a content heavy site you naturally think it lives in the browser but we're now seeing a number of these uwp applications and i was actually classy all about windows phone one in this category where they provide a, a user experience that is arguably better than that which you get in the edge browser and things like being able to change the the background color which i know is a big thing for you steve and just a few other bits and pieces, uh, often around navigation or recording particular bits of content, um, I think work really, really well. 
I think the one downside I will say is, of course, naturally you tend to come across these links in the course of uh, exploring the web or whatever else and kind of having to remember to launch those applications. It doesn't really come naturally and kind of um, uh, elsewhere we see deep linking sorting that and sometimes these applications support that kind of behavior. Sometimes they don't. It's sort of, particularly for the unofficial ones, you, you won't see that so much. Um, but yeah, it, it's really great to see this and, you know, I, always like seeing a good application so i'm definitely going to go go away and download this one and i i will uh, admit that just having a quick browse of wikipedia i can kind of go down a bit of a rabbit hole as i follow one link <laughs> after another and actually so it's one of those content websites where actually you can kind of get lost in the content and having an application that lets you do that um, is ideal yeah and t- one final thing talking of universal apps of course the all about windows phone universal app got an update today as we speak this and this was actually uh uh, Joe, the developer, putting in an excellent way of parsing my my uh, curated app and game directories into fully hyperlinked, collapsible, indexed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, directories. So basically, if you go to one of those those two main articles I've been re- writing and updating about every two or three months, it will actually parse the whole thing down all to, almost into an interactive um, mini app store within the app itself. And you can uh, any any link to uh, a existing AWP feature or review that's highlighted sort of in white. And if it's in grey, then it means a link. It's a link off the app, if you like, through Edge into the Windows Store itself. So really nicely done, done, Joe. Has got several things he still wants to do with the application. It's not finished yet, but uh, highly recommended. Update it in the store. AWP Universal version one point two point four. Absolutely, and here's a great example of where the uh, UWP is actually better than the website. So, uh, well done, Joe, for actually managing to beat me to doing anything more interesting with the directory. And actually, of course, when you're on the kind of the more constrained uh, screen space, it's really great having that kind of quick access to the the different categories and actually that kind of automatic highlighting so people can tell where they're going to be dropped into, be that the store or another part of the AAWP app. So if you haven't downloaded it already, go and do it right now and leave a very positive review in the store, which many of you have already done. So thank you very much for that as well. Yeah, so keep your suggestions coming in to Joe, the developer, either on one of the stories or directly to him. Uh, Also, your comments and additions on those games and uh, app directories, because I do update them at the moment about every two or three months, but I can make that more frequent if there really is demand. And every time I go back, I I actually myself spot things that I added months ago that I'd completely forgotten about. So I really hope they are proving useful for people, and this having the access to them in this AAP AAWP Universal app is just going to be a great help for everyone, I think. But uh, we are out of time, Rafe. I'm going to call a halt there and let you have the last word. Excellent. Thank you, Steve. As ever, a big thank you to Steve, my co-host, for all his hard work uh, this week on the site and actually the last few weeks and indeed the last um, six months, I should probably say. That'll the go last on. 80, whatever. <laughs> but also uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And please remember to tune in next time.